from 19 to 25, I just kind of like, I don't know what I was doing. I did all kinds of like random jobs and I was a background singer. I was a road manager. I delivered subpoenas. Do you have subpoenas? You sure do. And that sounds like a joyless job. It was terrible and it was not safe. Can I just say it was not safe? Like to send like this 20 year old girl like into these rural parts and be like, hey, you've been served. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 92 of the Between You and Me podcast, the place where we talk to music makers about the things that hurt, heal and change us in evangelical culture. My name is Jess Morris, and today we have a long awaited episode with our friend Hope Dast. I am so excited for you to hear her story. She is so full of hope and joy that she has really fought for. This episode is sponsored by our friend at JesusWide.com, your number one source for Christian music news, reviews and interviews. So Hope Dast, I am so happy that I finally get to speak to Hope. Uh, So I had never met Hope before, but I have worshipped under her leadership for many, many times. So Hope is actually a member of the Belonging Co Church, which I attended when I was in Nashville. And when I would go to Sunday services or Tuesday services, she would often be up there leading. It was so clear straight away. One, she's just got a ridiculously amazing voice but she has so much authority and power Uh, and so when I heard that Hope was releasing an album her first album I was like this is really interesting and I got the opportunity to interview her so it was so cool and I'm so glad that you guys get to meet Hope you guys get to meet Hope Dars like I'm meeting Hope now if you guys have heard the song Peace Be Still it came out a few years back by The Belonging Co but it was made famous because Lauren Daigle was a lead singer of it right well Hope was actually one of the co-writers of it and so what we have now is a few years later she's been signed to a record label for the first time in her life she's had this dream for so long but she's been signed to a record label released an album called Peace Be Still and it's her songs it's her journey and and what I found in this interview is that she is so open about the fact that she had to essentially lay down her dreams and she's to follow God and then 15 years later God brought her dreams back to life and said I'm giving this to you now it's an incredible story Um, it's one that I really I resonate with in the fact that I'm midway through that story um, and I'm so grateful for it so I'm not going to hold back any longer. Here's a short bio about Hope, and then you are going to meet the wonderful Hope Dust. The song Peace Be Still has become a phenomenon over the last four years. Released by the Belonging Code Church in 2017, it was sung by Lauren Daigle, and the tune has amassed more than 42 million plays on Spotify alone. Now that's an amazing feat. And for one of the original songwriters, Hope Dast, it was a big surprise. See, after giving up her dream of becoming a recording artist 15 years ago, the hit song began to open up doors she had worked for her entire life. And in 2020, Hope was finally signed to Fair Trade Services and was able to drop her debut album titled, what else, Peace Beats Still. But there's a lot more to Hope Dast than just one song. You see, her story started in Kentucky, where she grew up as a pastor's kid, and singing was as natural to her as breathing. By 19, she was emotionally and spiritually lost and was searching for hope, and she actually found that in a friend's church in Nashville. Through this, her dreams of becoming a recording artist began to take shape, 
and God started to give her inroads to the Christian music industry. Now, Hope has worked as a songwriter, a worship leader, and a backing artist, but she kept having false starts at her music career, and I think anyone who has worked in music in any way can relate to this. Then at 25, Hope actually felt like God was asking her to let the dream go. But the amazing thing is that Hope actually laid her dream down. And for the next 15 years of her life, she lived out a season of hidden quiet service. The type of person who is always doing the hard work at church, but doesn't always get the accolades. Now, in some respects, her career was still going at this point. It took her across the world where she shared her story and she even acted as a featured artist on Daniel Plender's album, Holy Ground, and even co-wrote with our friend Jamie Jam Goshen on the 2012 single, Everything You Are. But in all this, Hope's dream of becoming a recording artist was still on pause. Through this, Hope grappled with infertility, anxiety, and postpartum depression. She watched her parents go through a divorce and she became a full-time mum. Like many of us, Hope became burned out on ministry. And in 2013, she found comfort when she joined a group of worshippers in a friend's basement in Nashville. That weekly gathering of worshippers grew into the church we now know as The Belonging Co. And as the church grew, Hope became part of their worship team and helped to co-write their original music. The Belonging Co's debut album, All The Earth, came out in 2017 and reached number two on the Billboard Christian charts. That is incredible. They are independent. Now, Hope's vocals were featured on the track Hearing Your Love, and the album marked the church as a fresh new sound in Christian music. I was there for it. It was incredible. But unknown to many people, Hope's songwriting skills were also on display on the album. And along with Mia Fields and Andrew Holt, Hope actually penned the song Peace Be Still. And through this, some of the promises God had made to Hope years ago began to blossom. In 2019, Hope did guest vocals on the song Better by Matteo Palmata. And when the Belonging Co's long-awaited second album, Awe and Wonder, came out the same year, her powerhouse vocals set her apart. She led the tracks Breakthrough and Love Like This. Now, Hope also co-wrote the song Seated on High and At Your Whisper. And after this album, Hope was offered a recording contract and finally given the chance to release her debut album. After 15 years, Hope had a clear vision in mind of what she wanted her album to be. She released Peace Be Still, a culmination of hope, pain, faith, and honesty. And the contemporary Christian album finally gave Hope the platform she deserved. Those are my words, not hers. Her lead single, which was Hope's version of Peace Be Still, was a hit and deservedly so. Along with the original live version, the song has amassed more than 48 million streams and 115 million plays on radio. Hope's version of the song actually spent nine weeks on the Billboard Christian charts. It peaked at number six and it actually reached a seven on the Christian Airplay charts. The single made way for Hope's album of the same name last August, and her songs made it to the Spotify Top Christian and Carmen Christian playlists. Who knew Carmen Christian was even a playlist, but clearly we all need it. Now come 2021, and Hope's follow-up single, Promise Keeper, is out. It's an up-tempo declaration about God's faithfulness, allowing her vocals to soar while she sings with the authority gained from years of working behind the scenes, working through trials and tribulations and trusting God. I spoke to Hope about what it looks like to lay down God's promises, what it means to find your identity in God and not in those promises, and we talked about why her album, Peace Be Still, is a miracle 15 years in the making. My friends, Meet this incredible, incredible woman. This is Hope Dust. So for people who have never met you or heard your album yet, who is Hope Dust? Oh, gosh. That is a loaded question. <laughs> I mean, I just turned 40, and you would think I would, I would know that answer. 
But I think that the thing is that I'm, I'm someone who's definitely like still like figuring out who I am to some degree. I think what's happened is the older you get, the more self-aware you become, but in that self-awareness, you also start to realize like, you don't know a lot, like what you thought you knew, you don't know. (laughs) And, um, yeah. So, I mean, I guess the basics are, you know, I live in America. I live in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm married. I've been married for 15 years, met my husband in church, um, through mutual friends. And we just met one time and then we ended up on a flight together randomly, randomly sat next to each other, randomly talked the whole flight and then didn't see each other for like three or four more months. And then recon- like ran into each other at church, started dating, got married nine months later. So just saying, church is a good place to find, you know, potential spouses. Um, we have two daughters. Um, they are 10 and almost 12. And, you know, I, I was a, the kind of the story. I have such an unusual story, I think. I didn't realize it was so unusual until now lots of people have been telling me it's it's not typical. Um, but you know, I grew up, my dad was a pastor. So I grew up in church, church culture. That's what I knew. But from very early on, my parents noticed that I was, I was singing. Like my mom says, I sang before I talked, like I just came out of the womb singing. So early on, I think when you have like a gift, that's kind of really noticeable, whether it's sports or just something that's very visible or audio, or, you know, you can hear it. Um, it gets attention. Right. And so early, early, early on, I mean, I was singing solos and different programs and plays and musicals, I think by like age four or five. So my whole life was marked by singing. And I just assumed like, I'm going to grow up. I'm going to be a famous singer. I, my names are going to be in lights and yeah, everything's going to be great. Um, but by the time I was like 19, a lot of life had happened and I found myself moving to Nashville, um, kind of unexpectedly. Um, and again, thought like, okay, it's going to be my big break. I'm going to move to Nashville. Someone's going to discover me. And that did not happen. <laughs> that just did not happen. But what did happen was I discovered Jesus. And even though I had been, you know, grew up in a Christian home and I had prayed the prayer of salvation very young, it wasn't until I was 19 that I was like, okay, wait a minute. I, I don't want to just be someone who cerebrally knows there's a God and believes in salvation. I think I want to do this for real. Like, I think I actually want to have a relationship with Jesus. And I think I actually want to let him be the captain of the captain of my life, like really help lead the way. Like, how am I going to live? How am I going to think? How am I going to be? And that meant like being willing to surrender anything, dreams, ideas, plans. And so from 19 to 25, I just kind of like, I don't know what I was doing. I did all kinds of like random jobs. And I was a background singer. I was a road manager. I delivered subpoenas. Do you have subpoenas? You sure do. And that sounds like a joyless job. It was terrible and it was not safe. Can I just say it was not safe? Like to send like this 20 year old girl, like into these rural parts and be like, Hey, you've been served. And then be like, just not happy that I was there. It was not good. Um, I didn't last in that job very long. I mean, I just did, you know, and Mary thinks just trying to figure out like, what am I going to do? And simultaneously being like, okay, 
learning how to love Jesus and live for Jesus in every area of my life. And at 25, I get married and I just, I had to come to terms with, okay, God, I still have this desire to be an artist, but if the doors are not opening, like it's not, it's not happening. So what do you want me to do with my life? Like, what am I supposed to do? I'm 25. And I really felt like the Lord was like, I want you to lay that dream down. And I want you to be willing to walk away from it. And I was like, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> Did you really say what I think you said? And it was a really hard season. Cause you got to think I'm 20 years into this dream. Like this is the only thing I have ever thought about doing in my entire life. And it was a really pivotal moment where I had to choose, am I going to be, uh, actually, Brooke Frazier, I saw this today. She said this um, recently. She was like, I think it's, someone asked her like about people following their dreams. And she was like, don't follow your dreams, follow Jesus. And it was, that was the pivotal moment of my life where God was going, do you want to follow your dream or do you want to follow me? And I had to make a choice. And I, by the grace of God, chose wisely. And it totally took my life in a different turn. It's easy to get a little overwhelmed. Nobody plans to break. It's heavy and it's hard to ask for help. But don't hide behind the pain Let it all go Let it all come to an end We can start over again You're not broken There's just things I want to I ended up going on staff at my church a year later. Never, ever thought I would go into ministry. I was not, I was like, no, ministry is not for me. And here I was suddenly in vocational ministry and ended up going on staff in the worship department and helping grow the worship department and lead worship and do everything from like set up chairs and buy water bottles for choir practice to printing out lyrics, to scheduling the team, to leading songs, to discipleship. Like I just, I did it all. And I genuinely thought that's all I would do for the rest of my life. Like I really had surrendered to that idea. And then, um, a couple of years later, uh, through a series of events, um, God really flipped the story on me and, about seven years ago, I ended up resigning from that position at my church. I, and really, cause I was in a season, I just needed to do some healing. Um, I had been serving the Lord for a really long time, but I had really gotten kind of in the, in the cycle of doing ministry and not recognizing when I needed ministry. And so I found myself in this season, I'm two kids in, I'm almost a decade into being in vocational ministry and, and a lot of life has happened and there's been some disappointment. There's been some heartaches. There's been some, some real, even just difficult things to walk through with my family. And I needed a season of rest and healing. And in that season, God, I ended up coming off staff 
and God radically walked me through a, a, some years of freedom. And in those seasons, I started writing songs that I had never really done before. And so here I am in my mid thirties writing songs for the first time. And I'm writing them therapeutically. Like I'm not on staff at a church. I'm not like, you know, that's not, I'm writing them because I'm a part of the belonging church here in Nashville and had, had been a part of their community. And we were just a bunch of people who had been radically um, walking or we had been in a season of God radically healing things as believers, not new believers, but as people who have been walking with Jesus for a long time and discovering like intimacy and a new kind of season of God going, I have more for you. I have even more freedom. I have even more healing for you. And so I started writing songs in that season with our team. I was leading worship with the team, but just as a volunteer, you got to know, like I'm not on staff. I'm not pursuing being an artist or anything. And we write myself and Mia Fields, who some of you will recognize her name. She was a part of Hillsong for years and has been in Nashville for the last, gosh, I guess over a decade now. And is part of belonging. We lead worship for dear friends. And one day when we were really just walking out some hard seasons, we we wrote the song called Peace Be Still um, in a day that we both needed Jesus to come and bring peace into some really hard situations that we were walking out. We just wrote it for ourselves. We weren't thinking about anybody else. And and little did I know that that was going to turn into God, God really using that song to walk me through healing and dealing with fear and anxiety and insecurity and not knowing that years later, we would be able to hand that song off to literally the world in 2020 when people are dealing with fear and anxiety. And it actually could be something that then they could sing over their own lives. And so that's kind of how I've gotten here. Like that's kind of like as condensed as I could give you my entire life story. <laughs> and that, and that's how we got here. And I'm getting to talk to you because of a song that I wrote four years ago as a result of all those years. And so, you know, top of 2020, I'm 40, no, I was 39 years old. And I signed my first record deal. I, they send my song, Peace Be Still to radio. And I'm just sitting there going, I had that 25 year old girl had no idea that God was like, if you will follow me instead of your dream, I promise Every dream that you hold will eventually come true because your dreams will line up with who I am and what I've planned for your life. And it didn't mean that the dreams were necessarily going to circle back to what they were originally, but it meant that my heart was going to be so tethered to God. I want what you want. So wherever you take me and wherever you lead me, then it's, it's worth the journey. And I don't care where we land because the, the reward in this is that I'm following you. It's not, I'm following you to get somewhere. The, the, the reward is I'm just with you and I'm still there. I had no idea that following him would lead here. And I have no idea where it's going to lead in the next five years, in the next 10 years. But I, I've gotten to a place in my life where I go, the, the thing isn't about following Jesus to get somewhere. The thing is about following Jesus to be with him. And that's it. And, and then along the way, everywhere you land, all these little different seasons and landing places, man, you get to tell the story of him instead of having to tell the story of like, that I got here and I did this. Like the story always gets to stay him. So that's me in a nutshell. Let me rise up, oh, 
hey, are you a creator? Do you like creating fancy slideshows for church? Or maybe you're a videographer, a podcaster like me. Maybe you just love creating things and you need amazing stock music or videos to fill the needs. That is where Soundstripe comes in. The team at Soundstripe are world-class musicians who have hired world-class musicians to create stock music without all the loopholes of licensing. Simply subscribe and you can select what track you want and license it as many times as you want. It's a great way to support artists and create world-class content. We love our friends at Soundstripe. We have been partnered with them since the first episode of Between You and Me, and we are so grateful for their support. If you would like to use their content or check them out, go right now to soundstripe.com and use the code UMEPOD at checkout for 10% off. That is the code UMEPOD at the checkout, and you will get 10% off. You're welcome. Hey, it's me again. Big surprise, I know. But you know what I love? Nearly equally as much as good music. I love a good band tea. And I love a good nostalgic band tea, which is why I'm a big fan of the Between You and Me web store. If you head there right now, you will actually find that we have throwbacks to some of the most iconic Christian musicians and plenty of ammunition for the next catch up with the friends you survived Christian college with or who also survived being a PK with. Go check out our t-shirts, our hoodies, our masks, because that's a thing in 2020, and even our phone covers or notebooks. We would love you to take home a piece of Between You and Me and remember wherever you go that you belong here, that you are a part of a family of misfits and worshippers and questioners and people who apparently like nostalgia. Go and check it out now at our website, betweenyouandmepod.com and hit the shop button. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, I, I there's so much so many parts of that that I was like I understood and my heart was like oh yeah I feel the pain of that one I get it because I've been I've been living between Australia and America for years um and that and that pivotal point where God's like are you going to choose me or the promise like which one's actually your God that's the hardest part um I yes and isn't it it's as old as time like literally throughout the Bible Throughout history, we see over and over the same thing. Like, who do you, like, what is the thing that really is the treasure of your heart? And, and what are you, what are you, you know, searching for? And what are you wanting? And it's oftentimes tricky to recognize sometimes we want to think it's Jesus, but sometimes it's not. And, and having to confront that and then repent and deal with it. <laughs> released this album after 25 years of waiting and serving and nearly giving up on it um how have you hang on let me see how I can phrase this in my head I'm making it up as I go um but but you but you have clearly really forged your identity and really Mm. worked hard at stripping back what isn't necessary and you've pushed back (laughs) at the success stories of Nashville and your peers and all these (laughs) dreams and hopes that you had and things that were declared over you to get to a point where you were just literally sitting serving God and he was like, now's time. Um, How have you gotten to a point with this album where you can be content with what you've created, with the success Mm -hmm. it has, with what it does, um, 
because you've been on that journey, not saying it's an easy yeah. process, but how do you, sure. how do you be content knowing you've created what you're meant to and it's, and it's, mm. it's God's using it how he wants to use it. You know, I, I had to really wrestle with that before I signed the record deal because I wore, I mean, it was a journey, <laughs> a very long journey of me actually surrendering. Right. So the process of surrendering and dying to myself and, and really having to walk out that journey of like, this cannot be my identity and, and having to recognize seasons that it was my identity and having to walk that out. Like I remember the first couple of years after I'd resigned from church and I wasn't leading worship. I wasn't traveling and leading worship. I was just doing nothing. I'm a stay at home mom. I'm raising my two small kids. And I remember that first year, people would be like, oh, what do you do? And be like, oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a worship leader. I'm a songwriter, I'm, but I'm also a stay-at-home mom. Like, <laughs> I recognized, like, it was really hard for me to let go of some of those titles and those positions. And it was probably about a year, year and a half afterwards. And I remember someone ask, asking me that same question that I was meeting for the first time and being like, oh, so what do you do? And I, like, without even thinking about it, just said, oh, I'm a stay-at-home mom. And I knew something had shifted in my identity. And I think that was so massive for me personally, because I've struggled my whole life. I think when you also have gifts or talents that are really visible to people, it's easy to be performance-based. It's easy to be caught up in man-pleasing and needing approval and identity for man. And I have struggled with all of those things. And you know, God really was kind and he took me on a journey basically from my mid thirties to 40 for about six or seven years of dealing with those issues when being an artist was no longer on the table or even in the horizon. So there was this really deep season of me really honestly being very hidden, like in the sense of no one knew who I was. No one knew what I was doing. And I was making a choice in my daily private life to allow God to come in and really be my identity. So when things began to shift in like 2018 and 2019, and suddenly doors are opening up and conversations are happening that I am not pursuing, I was very resistant. I was like, no, 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 no. I don't want that. Because if I want that, that means I haven't dealt with my identity issues. So I was like really resistant for a really long time. And my husband and my pastors and people that are really close to me, they were a part of this journey. And I was constantly going, is it, is it possible that God is asking me to step into this? This feels fearful. I feel a little fearful to do this. I'm concerned that I have a hidden agenda in my heart that hasn't been wrestled down. Right. And I think this is, says two things. One, it's important. It's really important to have community and to have um, people who are further along in life than you, who can really speak in to where you are and to not make decisions alone, to not make decisions just isolated and by yourself, like to actually allow people into that process who, who have wisdom, who are actually like living lives that are of character and, and obedience and surrender. And they have walked that out in their lives where they can speak into that. And, you know, it just, it kept, it got to the point where it was like, I can't, I can't deny that God is actually doing something because I'm not even trying to make this happen. I'm, I'm literally resisting it. And it's still, God's still open. Doors are still opening. 
So when it came time to make the record, I had done so much work on knowing I know who I am. I know what God's called me to do. I, I am I am a worshiper at my heart and, and my life has been transformed by the spirit of God and through the Holy Spirit, both privately and, and in my own moments of being with Jesus and intimacy with Jesus and in very public congregational settings of worship. And I am a firm believer that what you do in private becomes public and you carry the authority in those areas. So when I went in to make a record, I was very clear about the record I was going to make. There was no, oh, I'm wondering what people want me to make. It was so clear in my spirit what we were after because I wasn't doing this to try to please man. I wasn't doing this to try to make myself feel better about myself. I, I really stepped into this out of a sense of like, I think God's asked me to do this. I think this is something that he's calling me to do. And I want to show up and, and make a record that carries the authority and, and, and honestly, maybe the journey of what I've actually been through in the last decade. And that was all that I cared about and, and that it carried the spirit of God. And that when people hear it, they encounter Jesus. That's it. But I didn't really care much past that. Like, I mean, I wanted to do a good job and like, and put forth something that was excellent but I think that's helped navigate that. If that makes sense, if that answers your question and it's allowed me to be able to step back and go, this has not felt like it was about me at any point in the journey. I really truly feel like I've just said yes. And I've partnered with what God was asking me to do. And I think for whatever reason, like he's breathing on it right now, but tomorrow that he may choose to say, okay, the assignment's done. And now I'm, and I'm, I'm good with that. Like, I, I'm okay with that. That's great. That's fine. I just want to be obedient for the season that I'm in. And who knows how long that is or how short that is. And I'm okay with either one. Your vows are covenant unbroken. You made it known through history Your love will never be unfaithful Never walk out on me Never walk out on me I have no reason to doubt you Still unfolding with everything I've seen. How could I not believe? You are a promise keeper, your word will never fail. My heart can trust you, Jesus. I won't be overwhelmed. My eyes are gonna see miracles and victories. You are a promise keeper and your word will never fail. How has this journey made you a better a better mom, a better wife, a better a better friend? Like how how mm. has this this spiritual journey and this professional journey actually helped to shape your personal relationships? 
Wow. I don't know. I mean, tw- I felt like 2020 may be maybe a worse mom than a worse friend. I mean, gosh, I was, I mean, truly, like it was really hard because I was, so I don't do, I, new is hard for me. Change is hard for me. And so suddenly <laughs> I'm thrown into 2020 and it's new way of school. I'm now a working mom. Now everyone's at home. We had people living with us all through 2020. Like suddenly I can't, I can't attend church or even lead worship, which is what I'm so comfortable to do. I can't even make, I couldn't make a record. And so in the, in like a traditional sense, we couldn't tour. Like there was so much change. Right. And honestly, at the beginning, I didn't navigate it well. Like I was very stressed. And I was like, I was like, oh my gosh, what have I done? Like, I was not, it was not good, but it's almost like, yeah. Have you heard that saying? Like when, when people get engaged, they call it like a pressure cooker because it pushes everything to the surface that needs to be dealt with. And I almost felt like God was like, I am 2020 is going to be the pressure cooker to push to the surface, all the places where you've got trigger points of stress and I need that to happen and I need it to happen quickly so that you and I can get on a board for the assignment that I have for you in this season. And that took a little bit. That took a few minutes. That took some pastoral counseling. That took some actual therapy. That took some cry sessions with my friends, like legit. I'm not going to lie. But I, there was this real pivotal moment in September of last year. The record had just come out. And I, it was just released. And I was like, okay, well, God, now what? Like, I, I was obedient. I made a record. I, I can stand back and go, I'm, I'm really proud. I feel like I did what you asked me to do. And whatever you do with it is great. But like from a more personal place, like, well, what is the assignment now? And I felt like God just so clearly began to speak to me in that season. And he was like, your assignment are, is people. Like your assignment has always been people. It will always be people. And I am now opening a place for you to be able to minister to people that you would have never been able to minister to without this record. And it like shifted something that I guess maybe the evangelist pastor in me was like, I could do people (laughs) like, okay. (laughs) And you know what? It's like for the first time I settled in to exactly who God's called me to be in this season. And because I'm settled in it, do you know what? It's, there's less space in my mind taken up by what am I supposed to be doing? How am I supposed to be doing this? It's the settling has been, it's made me be able to be more present, be more present with my husband or present with my kids or present with my with my friends. And I think in all the years, maybe prior to this, there was still always like a little bit of a wrestle in my spirit of like, am I, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Like, God, are we, you know, and not that I've got it all figured out, but there's just been a real settling. And I think that that has helped me navigate relationships better in this season. You've worked in a lot, Jesus. I'm putting my trust in you. You won't go back on your word I will sing my way 
really random question have you done the enneagram which is also the most natural thing ever. i apologize I, can i ask what type you are according to the enneagram test i'm a four yes i'm not really a subscriber of it i mean i i've taken the test a couple years ago i'm more someone who just doesn't get caught up in that kind of stuff i get it um, i was just curious because i was like i resonate with so much of this i'm just curious <laughs> <laughs> that was completely unrelated to anything. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm just not, I, I feel like I'm also old enough that like so many different personality tests have come and gone. Oh my gosh, so, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it's always a new trend in Nashville. Always. <laughs> Every always. time. I'm like, I'm definitely more of the like, you know what? I'm just someone who's still in work that God is still constantly having to, to address <laughs> And transform regardless of my personality type <laughs> it's so true yes <laughs> if you could are there any songs on the album that you would particularly like to talk about or that really stand mm. out to you in this moment that you'd like to highlight to people Ooh. well I mean I think okay so I said you know promise or peace we still came out 2020 we did not plan clearly we did not plan a worldwide pandemic and the timing of that song. But man, I, I can tell you, it was such a confirmation in my spirit when that song came out. And suddenly we are getting story after story after story after story of people being like, I, this song has been a lifeline for me. I'm dealing with fear. I'm dealing with disappointment, I'm dealing with anxiety, with everything that was going on. And it was such a confirmation for me. Like, okay, God, your timing is perfect. Like, this song was written four years ago and I never thought, I mean, I wasn't an artist. I wasn't like, you know what I mean? None of that was in play and to watch God take a song four years later and, and release it massive. So here we are now 2021 and before the record came out. Okay. So you got to know before the record came out, we had all agreed that promise keeper would be the second single. So we don't know a pandemic. We don't know any, you know, none of that. So here we are, top of 2021. We've just released Promise Keeper to Radio. And literally the song, the entire premise of that song is we is us declaring like God is a promise keeper and his word doesn't fail. And you don't have to be overwhelmed right now. Like you can trust that with Jesus, like you are still going to see miracles. You're still going to see victories. And that you know, there is still goodness that can be seen in the land of the living. We write this not knowing that. And I'm going, oh my goodness. Like here we are top of 2021. Everyone is in this posture of like, when is this going to end? Right? Like, and I think a waiting season always can has the tension of disappointment and distrust. 
And that sent that tension of wanting to be like, God, are you actually going to do what you said you were going to do? Like, are you, are you still good? Cause like I've lost my job and I'm sick and I got diagnosed with X, Y, and Z and my relationship just crumbled. And, and I'm like, I can't see any goodness. So where are you? And we had no idea that this song was going to come out and we'd still be in this season of waiting and that spirit of disappointment and that spirit of distrust. So easily wanting to entangle our hearts and minds to think maybe God's not good after all. Maybe God's not going to do what he said. And here we go releasing a song that hopefully when people hear it, they're able to go like, wait a minute. No, like my God is faithful. He never fails. He never goes back on his word. I love in Hebrews where it says he is a God that cannot lie. He literally cannot lie. And he has promised you a hope in a future. He's promised you'll see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He's promised you that he is your shelter and your provider. He's promised you that he is your strength and your strong talent. Like, and so this reminder, like, here we go again. Like, we're going to just claim to this, but I would say my favorite, the two most favorite songs off the record, they're super personal, um, would be Love Like This. Um, we did a live version off of the Belongings record a couple of years ago. And I, I, I really love that version. But what's funny is when I wrote the song, I never imagined it as a worship song. Like, no, because I wrote it in a, like a really vulnerable moment where I had really hurt some people that were very dear to me. I, I, there had been a misunderstanding. And in that misunderstanding, I really doubted their character and doubted just their position on something. And it really hurt them. And it really caused like a kind of a break in our relationship for a season and, and distance, I should say more distance. And, and finally, like we had that uncomfortable conversation that nobody wanted to have. And, and me having to really admit, like, I was the one that was in the wrong. Like I was actually harboring an offense and I had allowed it to skew my perception of their actions. And I like, like they called me on it and I immediately was like, I need to come and see you face to face and I need to repent. And I did, I went, I met with them, repented. And I didn't really know what their reaction would be because in fairness, they could have just been like, thank you. We appreciate that. But we don't want to stay in relationship. Like, like that was a legitimate position that they could have taken. And instead they offered such extravagant grace and such extravagant forgiveness to me in that moment that it, it really overwhelmed me. And I remember getting in the car after having this conversation and I'm just weeping. I'm ugly weeping. Like it was deep. It was deep in my soul kind of weeping. And I just remember saying like, God, I've never known love like this on earth. I've never known someone to love me unconditionally when I really was the one, I was the enemy. I was actually the one that hurt. And I've, I've only ever experienced when I've gotten it wrong relationally, there's been a consequence. There's been a severing of relationship. There's been, you know, something. And just as clear as day, I felt like the Lord just said, I know. And that's why I needed you to experience this because I have always loved you like this with extravagant grace and extravagant mercy. But because you haven't believed it about me, you haven't believed it about people. And it was a life-changing moment for me. 
it was revelation that took my breath away. And I still get really emotional when I, like I I'm, I'm holding back tears right now, but, um, and I, I begin to sing that chorus. I've never known love like this in my car. And I just would sing it over myself for months afterwards because it was, God was revealing something that was really healing a place in my heart that I didn't know had been there. And a couple months later, I ended up taking it to some friends and going like, I just, I need to finish the song for myself. I was like, I, I don't have, like, that's just it. I just need it for me. And I was with our worship pastor. And when we were finally finished with it, he just said, man, I, I feel like Christmas to leave this at church. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, no. And maybe it's because it was so personal. I don't know. I just didn't, I had never heard it that way. And then we led it at church and everyone in the room was weeping the way that I was weeping. So I'm saying all that because I, it's so personal, but I never, because I never envisioned it as a worship song, I'd always heard it as this really emotional, big, like orchestra, like symphony kind of cinematic moment. Cause it was such a, as it was such a cinematic moment for me in my own life. So when we went to make the record, I was like, can we make a version of it that feels like incredibly cinematic and vulnerable because that's the way I first heard it in my head. And so my team was really beautiful and, and they let me do that. And then, and then there's a song called start over at the end of the record that for me is probably I don't know. I feel like it's the, maybe the most important song on the record um, for me, both as a songwriter. And I think as that the journey of like what's to come, it was the very last song we wrote on the record. And it was at the very top of 2020 on the heels, like in the fall of 2019, I struggled with some anxiety um, kind of related around some of what we were talking about earlier of just me being like, am I supposed to do this? Am I not supposed to do this? I don't know if I should be an artist. I don't like, I was just so back and forth and it was surfacing kind of just some unresolved paradigms that God really wanted to get to the root of honestly. And it was, I was like having some severe anxiety and struggling and I was so embarrassed. I was like, I'm the peace be still girl. Like, how am I still dealing with this? Like, and I don't mean like peace be silver on like the song, but I mean, like my journey has been dealing with fear and overcoming fear and, and really experiencing freedom in this area. How am I back here? Like, what the heck? And it was such a vulnerable journey of having to let some people into my life and being like, I'm like, I'm embarrassed that I'm here again. And this is like humbling on a level that I just wasn't prepared for. And it was really, it was a really painful season for me. Like it was just, it was so vulnerable. I felt so fragile in that process. And we got to 2020 and I was with Mia Fields again and our friend Ben Canton. And we just were talking about how we are all were in this season of like God, funny enough, like all three of us were walking out the season of God, kind of like making us go back and deal with things in our past in order for us to be able to move forward in our present. And I'll never forget, like Mia said that day, she was like, man, she goes, sometimes the way forward is the way backwards. And we were talking about, and, and that opened the door. And I, I was saying, you know, it's so hard as believers. I think the longer we're in this walk, we really subconsciously struggle with this idea of like, I've got it. Like, right. Like there's a point where we get to like, we're good. 
Like I'm not a screw up anymore. Like I'm not like dealing with X, Y, and Z anymore. And like, we've landed, we've landed in a good place. And from here on out, it's just going to be like smooth sailing. (laughs) And when that doesn't happen and suddenly we're confronted with our own sin and our own setbacks and our own weaknesses the enemy can just come in with just such an onslaught of shame and condemnation and this sense of like, has anything even mattered? Like, have I grown at all? Have I gained any, you know, and it's just this weird place that we can find ourselves in. And I remember just saying to me, I said, how amazing would it be to hear God say to us like, Hey, you're not broken. You're not a mess up. You're not a screw up. There's just a couple things that I just, I need to tend to, and I want to mend and I want to make better. And we can start over again. Like we can always start over again. There's always this place with Jesus and our surrender and our acknowledging of like, I'm just coming to you again with what I have, be it fully repaired or be it maybe in a couple of pieces and let's just start over again. And it's just such an incredibly vulnerable song for me. Um, I was proud of it as a songwriter and I think just proud of it as a human. And um, we're hoping to do something with it um, for Mental World Health Month because it really is birthed out of my own deals, my dealing with anxiety and panic attacks and and years of having to walk that out and, and friends that were dealing with addiction at the same season and wanting that song for anyone that just like, you're never so far gone that you can't start over. You are never so broken that God can't heal what, what you find yourself in the midst of. And so, yeah, I love that song. And thank you for sharing, like going so deep into the reasoning behind and like the formation of those songs. And because there's an element with with songwriting where it's like you're vulnerable, but it's a piece of art. So it's nearly like we can just nearly, nearly slightly cloak it just a little bit and be like, this is. But actually, actually share. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. <laughs> but, but just actually share that. Um, I I just really want to recognise and I appreciate it because I I have chronic anxiety uh, and mm. have struggle with that and so there were so many elements of what you're saying mm. that I resonate with and yeah. your your ability to articulate that yeah thank you thank you for saying that Jesus has been the only thing that has brought me healing he's been the only one that's brought me freedom he's been the only one when when my mind felt just cluttered and crazy and all the things and my emotions felt, you know, just out of whack. Jesus has been the only thing that has been able to come in and actually bring clarity 
and healing and peace. And it doesn't mean that my journey has been this straight line of just, you know, oh, it's just gotten better and better and better. It has been a winding road. But along the way, Jesus has been the answer every season, every single time until, and until my dying breath, it will be the thing that I talk about because so many of us deal with fear and anxiety and depression and oppression and shame. And we want to silently go through the battle and hope that it just gets better. But what I found is like, you cannot think yourself out of these things. It's not a mental game where you just are, can just, I'll just think my way out of this. No, you have to actually like worship and pray and surrender your way out of it. And sometimes that journey is fast and sometimes that journey is really long. And I've experienced both. And I'm just one that like, I'm, I'm simple. I'm a simple person who's like, I don't have a lot of answers. I can't tell you how to fix your whole life and your whole journey. But I can tell you, if you will hold on to Jesus for dear life, you will swim more than you will sink. And he'll get you to the other side. He will. He will get you to the other side. There will be another side of where you are right now. Thank you. You really, really appreciate it. If you could go back to when you were 19, you'd just moved to Nashville. Uh, You'd just gone to it. You just sort of met Jesus in a new way. And we're yeah. like, oh my gosh, my life is restarting and you have these big dreams. <laughs> what, what, what would you tell yourself knowing what you know now? Um, I tell myself a couple, I'd say, don't drop out of college. That was not your best choice. I would say buy a flat iron. Your hair is way too big. Girl, get a, get a flat iron. Figure your hair life out. Um, no, <laughs> I mean, I actually would say about those things. <laughs> uh, I think I would just tell her, Like, you're going to think that you're going backwards and you're going to think that everything you thought you were called to do is going to be a big joke, but you're going to make one decision that's going to actually change your life. And that's that you're going to be willing to follow Jesus wherever he leads. And it's going to end up leading you everywhere you need to be and everywhere you want to be. And so I, I was such a mess at 19. I mean, I was such a mess. I was barely hanging on by a thread. My mental health issues were very extreme at 19, which is what landed me in a, I, I need Jesus right now. Like I'm not going to make it without Jesus. And I would, I would look back at that 19 year old girl and just say, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. It's going to be really good. It's going to be hard, but it's going to be good. And it's going to be worth it. Jesus is going to be worth it. And for freedom, I have been set free. And my Savior holds every victory.
Hope has so much energy. She she was so engaging. She was so disarming. We spoke back in January. The world was still going through lockdowns and so forth. And and she was just very comfortable in her own skin. She was very warm. I felt generally known by her, which is really cool, right? And it was a real privilege to be able to hear her story. I think when someone has has that much wisdom and they choose to share it with you, you know what comes from a place like they've really worked for it. They've really worked hard for it. And even Hope's self-awareness and saying like, I wrote this song because I hurt somebody or I experienced this forgiveness. It's quite remarkable because we don't necessarily talk like that because it doesn't always make us look good. But that's, I mean, as Jesus followers or people who pursue love, that's part of what we do. If we make mistakes, we step up and we apologize and we accept that forgiveness or we're allowed to accept that forgiveness. And um, to actually talk about that is really powerful. And, and then talk about that in a way that isn't, that isn't like hateful towards yourself. To talk about it in a way where you've actually accepted forgiveness and you've learned from it, that's really powerful because guilt and shame can often warp that process. But at least when I spoke to Hope, I got such a sense that she is so free from guilt and shame. That's incredible. My friends, if you would like to go and connect with Hope Darst and tell her how much you loved hearing her story, please do. You'll find her online at Hope Darst on social media and hopedarst.com. Darst is D-A-R-S-T. Pretty simple. Her album, Peace Be Still, is out now, if you search Peace Be Still, you will find multiple versions. Look for the Hope Dust version, the studio version. It's a gorgeous album. That is all we have for this week. Thank you, my friends. Now, coming up, we have two back-to-back episodes for you. In two weeks, you're going to be hearing from our friend, Blake Reynolds. Blake is an up-and-coming singer-songwriter who has a really cool sound to Christian music, honestly. Uh, It sounds like radio, and that's a good thing. The following week, you're going to be meeting another upcoming singer, Rakesha Bennett. She is awesome. She is a gospel singer who I think you will love. So if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, make sure that you head to Apple Podcasts and do that now. And as soon as those episodes arrive, into the stream you will be notified and if you love today's show please do me a favor if it's okay could you go and give us a star rating and leave a review it honestly it gives me it really is great for my ego but apart from that I, I really want to know what you guys think what you're enjoying what musicians you want to talk to what topics you want to cover so please feel free to give me some feedback you can find us on all social media at between you meet pod or online at between you and me that is all Thank you, my friends, for doing this live thing with me. I will see you in two weeks with another fabulous interview. I just use the word fabulous. Apparently, that's a thing now. My name is Jess Morris. Here's the hope. I woke up, got a new day. Feel good, cause I know I'm going your way. Straight up, singing your praise. Got real joy, even on a Monday. I broke up with my old ways. And I want all the world to know that I'm thankful. I'm Say it again, oh I'm thankful, I'm thankful, yes I am You've been so good that I say it again I'm thankful, yes I'm thankful